0: Good morning, church family. It's uh, it's Father's Day, and uh, so as a father, I just sort of want to uh, pull rank here and just lay down a couple of dad jokes, if that's okay. Um, if you um, if you're unfamiliar with with dad jokes, what happens is the dad says something hilarious, and for some reason, everyone else groans. Okay, so I'm going to say something absolutely hilarious and then you're all going to groan, okay? So there was a father, and on Father's Day, he was opening up these gifts, and his, his wife gave him a beautiful watch, and his son gave him a, a calendar, and, and his, other, his, his daughter gave him a clock, and he's holding these, these, these presents so close, and then he said to himself, I've got a watch, I've got a clock, I've got a calendar, I've got a lot of time on my hands. <laughs> I heard laughter there from someone that wasn't a dad, from someone that wasn't a dad. So I think we're, we're, we're doing well. I, I came up with this invention. I thought, wouldn't it be great if you could have a watch and a calendar that was a part of your belt? You know, we always, you know, we used to put our cell phones and our pagers on our belt. Why not have the calendar? You could just know, you know, July, August, September, all around your belt. And then I just realized, you know what? That's just a waste of time. I, am not a, you know, I'm not a dog owner and a lot of my friends are getting dogs and they're encouraging me to, but listen, if I did get a dog he'd be very fierce and I'd name him Rolex, because he'd be a watchdog. So all those dad jokes were all about time. I gotta ask you a question. What would you rather do? Would you rather go back in time? And change something? Or would you rather go forward in time and figure out what's going to take place. This is, this is, you know, this is Marty McFly. This is the difference between Back to the Future 1 and 2. Would you rather go back in time and change something or go forward in time to find out what would happen? You know, every generation, my generation had Back to the Future and Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, excellent, right? These time-traveling stories. Other generations, you had Planet of the Apes, And you had Doctor Who in that police box photo booth thing traveling through time. This next generation is trying to follow Loki through this time variant agency and the Infinity Stone. And why do the comic books have to go into time travel too? But we're all fascinated by this idea of could I somehow change the past? Could I somehow know what was going to happen in the future? The passage that uh, Roy, one of our elders, read before uh, I got up here is from James chapter 4 and it's it's a passage about tomorrow. How do we think about tomorrow? What are you going to do tomorrow? What are your plans for tomorrow? Three, of, three, three sort of major categories kind of define how different personalities think about tomorrow. Some of us are planners and we plan so much we border on presumption like, like the people in this passage that James is describing. So tomorrow is something that we can brag about. It's, some, it's like it already happened. We are so in control of our lives that we know what's going to take place already. So tomorrow can be something that we boast about. Tomorrow could also be something that we're very anxious about. We're always concerned that looming right around the corner, something terrible could happen. And so we stay up all night or we spend all day worrying about tomorrow. And then there's a third category, the the procrastinators. We think that tomorrow is the time to do what we should be doing today. You see, how we think about tomorrow tells us a lot about what we think about God and how we relate to God. What we're going to find today is that when we plan for tomorrow, we must recognize and remember that we're not in control and that we must submit and surrender to the one who is. got to recognize and remember that we're not in control. The person that is planning, the person that is worrying, and the person that is procrastinating, All three groups of people are all acting as though they're the ones in charge. The prideful planner, the presumptive person, they think they're in charge and they're going to have success tomorrow. The worrier, the reason why the person is worrying is because they think it's all up to them. They don't, that are not trusting God. And the person that's procrastinating thinks that they can define their own schedule and however things want to go, they can define it for, for themselves. So as we dive into James chapter 4 today, we're going to take a look at our plans. We're going to look at the future. We're going to look at our own lives. And we're going to look at the Lord. We're going to look at the future. We're going to look at our lives. And we're going to look at the Lord. James had already warned us about the wisdom of the world versus the wisdom that comes down from above. That was chapter 3, verse 13 to 18. Then he asked the question, are you going to be a friend of the world or a friend of God, that was chapter 4, verses 1 to 12. Now, if you are going to be a friend of the world, if you're going to follow the wisdom of the world, then you're going to plan like the world. You're going to plan like these people in James 4. But if you're a friend of God and following the wisdom of God, the way that you plan doesn't mean that you, doesn't mean that you don't plan, but the way that you plan changes significantly. So I want to share with you guys today three characteristics of, about the uncertainty of the future. Three characteristics of a good plan three characteristics kids show me the number 3 okay so right now i'm going to start with number 1 show me number 1 all right so and then i'm going to tell you to show me number 2 and then when i'm at 3 it's almost go time all right we're almost done one more song and then we're we're through so here's number 1 it has to do with the uncertainty of the future the uncertainty of the future He says, come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you do not know what tomorrow will bring. This sounds like a staff meeting. This sounds like a business plan. This sounds like an elevator pitch. Here, here's what we're going to do. Here's the plan. Here's the vision. Here's the strategy. We're going to go to such and such a town. Market expansion. We've done enough business here. We need to go into other markets. We've got a travel itinerary. We're going to go here and then there. We're going to trade and make a profit. There's revenue projections. There's forecasting that's taking place. This sounds a lot like the parable Jesus told in Luke 12. Where the guy, he's has such a big harvest and he's making these plans to build bigger barns. And then God shows up in his life and says, your life is over today. What about your barns now? What about your plan now? And that's what James here is getting at. And then their plan goes beyond tomorrow. It says, we'll spend a year there. They think that they're going to have all of this success that's going to go on for 365 days. But then James says at the beginning of verse 14, you don't know what tomorrow will bring. Everyone right now, just take your hands and cover your eyes. All right, kids, make sure your parents are doing it. Don't do it to someone you're supposed to be physically distant from. Cover everyone's eyes. What can you see? Nothing. Nothing. That's our view of the future. We can't see the future. We are ignorant in terms of the future. Remember, we were all having a great time in the middle of March in 2020. We had a church potluck here on a Sunday night. We were going to the movies and having restaurants. We had all the toilet paper we thought we needed and we had plans of what we were gonna do the next day. We didn't know what tomorrow would bring. And here we are. You know, this is the first time our church family has been together all together since March. We don't know the future. And how many different ways have we tried to get together as a church family, right? Uh, 30%, 15%, groups of 10, indoor, outdoor. Because like, the plan is always changing, always morphing. We have never known what tomorrow will bring. Parents and kids trying to do school, right? It's always changing. We don't know what tomorrow will bring. We're ignorant about tomorrow. We're blind to it. We can't see it. Many of us had travel plans, had wedding plans, had plans to welcome a new baby and expected the family to be all around for all of those milestone events. We had career and educational aspirations. We had athletic contests and scholarships that we were shooting for. We had business plans, but we didn't know what tomorrow would bring. I mean, how relevant is it that God would have us on this passage, on this day, the day where everyone, when you signed up, I know you did it, you clicked register, you said one vehicle, and then you went right over to the weather network, didn't you? You went right over and said, is this actually gonna happen? What if it rained? What?" And we didn't know. We didn't know. I got up uh, th- yesterday morning and, uh, I live two doors down from a former, a farmer, and uh, he was watering his grass. He had his, and I just do what the farmer does. When it comes to grass, I just do what the farmer does. So I went out and watered my grass. Then my other neighbor comes over and says, ah, 80% chance of rain this afternoon. Uh, you know, that's kind of a waste of time. And I'm like, well, you know, the farmer's, you know, Dick two, two doors down. He, uh, he, he was doing it, so I'm he's like, I don't know. Then the kids are playing. They start to get hot. The kids say, hey, can we run through the sprinkler? So again, I get the sprinkler out on the front lawn. I'm looking at my neighbor. He's looking at me. He's saying, it's going to rain. Your, your, your lawn. And then 80% chance of rain yesterday? Didn't rain at all. Not a drop. We Oh, there's a little bit. Thank you, Abel. There was a little bit of rain. But I was still right in principle. I, I've missed having you here, Abel. It's great. You see, many of us struggle with the sin of presumption. We act like we know what's going to happen. And that's these people, right? Today, tomorrow, we're going to go here. We're going to do this. It's going to be great. A year, a year, profit, all of that. But again, there's other ways of thinking about the future. There's the anxiety way. Remember what Jesus said in Matthew 6, 34. Well, don't worry about tomorrow. I mean, today has got enough to worry about, right? He says, sufficient for the day is, is, is the worry in and of that day. You don't know. You might be worried about tomorrow. Tomorrow could be the best day of your life. And you wasted all of today worrying about something that you're blind to. You just don't know what is going to happen. And then the procrastinator. You might have health and strength to do the thing you know you need to do today. You don't know if you will have that health and strength tomorrow. How many, how many funerals have you been to? I know I've led funerals. People far healthier than me. People far younger than me. Far stronger than me. Had their whole life in front of them. And yet I am standing with their parents. And their brothers and sisters and their loved ones. And listen, it's always sad when a family member dies. If they're 9 years old or 90 years old or 19 years old. But we don't know what tomorrow is will bring. And so we can't procrastinate on the things that truly matter. That leads us to our second point. Remember kids, I got 3 points. I just did one. Here comes number 2. Show me number 2, kids. Here comes number 2. All right. So, the second point is this for grown-ups, the brevity of our lives. Kids, you're probably asking your parents, what does brevity mean? Ask them. What does brevity mean? Brevity means short. Brief, And I know some of you are thinking, I hope this is getting hot. I hope this sermon is, has some brevity to it. And uh, I'm feeling you. Trust me. And we need to understand what this passage says about the brevity of life. He says, what is your life in verse 14? He says, you are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. You are a mist that appears for a little time and then vanishes. So I'm gonna need some kids to come up here to to help me out. Rachel and Renee, can you guys come up here and maybe uh, Faven and Lennox and Milo, do you guys wanna come up here for a quick second? We're gonna play a game. Rachel and Renee, can you guys come on up here? Run, 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 run. Let's hear it for these kids. All right, terrific. Okay, so we're gonna play a game. So you gotta stay physically distant. So you stick with your bubble. Come on, come on, Milo. It's okay, pal. All right, so we're gonna play Mist Catch, okay? So I'm going to squirt the mist at you, and I want you to catch it, and then whoever has the most mist at the end of the game wins. Okay? You ready? Let's hear it for them. Let's hear This is Team Evenden. This is Team Springer. All right, who's going to win? Is it going to be the Evenden's, or is it going to be the Springers? Come on! All right, here we go. Mist. It's called mist catch. Who's going to win? Go, go, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. Catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it, catch it. Okay, how much do you guys have? All right, over here we got zero missed. Judges, can we confirm that? Zero missed over here. Over here we've got zero, it's a draw, World Cup. It's a draw, Euro 2020. it's It's a tie, yes, it's a tie. Okay, thanks guys, thank you very much. That is what our life is like. Oh, Milo, you can go back now, pal. That is what our life is like. It's like a mist. And you think you've got it, and then it's gone. What is your life, James says? This right here, this right here, this is your unauthorized biography. The life of Christopher Carr. The life of Stephen Olesina. I I present to you the life of Dennis Mason. Watson. I don't know why I called you Mason. Dennis Watson. Our life is short. It's over before we know it. And this is what Psalm 90 verse 12 says. Teach us, O Lord, to number our days. And then what does it say? It says, so that we may get a heart of wisdom. Wisdom from above means that we understand how short our life is. That our days are numbered. So again... We got the presumptuous people in this passage. They don't know how short their life is. They, they've got a whole year planned out. They don't know. They don't know what tomorrow will bring. And then you've got the people that panic. And they think it's always going to be this way. And the, the problems that we're facing in our culture right now. And these, these restrictions, they're never going to go away. And it's always going to be bad. And it's always going to be hard. And if we don't know what, every new day is a new opportunity to experience God's mercies. They're new every morning, Lamentations chapter 3 says so we can be encouraged. And then in terms of procrastination, life is short. We need to live with a certain sense of urgency and intentionality. We don't know when our last day will be. Loved ones, you gotta picture this. You gotta picture your family going through your things. Mothers, fathers, sons, and daughters. Picture your family going through your things tonight because there was some sort of tragedy and you're, you're, you're missed. Your life has come to an end. Is there anything that they will find in your room or on your phone or somewhere else where your family is going to say, what? They were, they were doing that. They had this. They were doing that. And then there's, listen, you don't know. You don't know how many, how many of us right now, you know there are things that need to be said to the people that matter so much in your life. There are people who you wish were sitting right beside you right now, but they're not. And you've delayed and you're thinking, oh, it's it's just not the right time. It's it's not the right time to talk to them, to tell them how I feel. I know I should tell them that I love them and that I care about them and that no matter what has happened in the past, I can't change the past. And I don't know what's going to happen in the future. All I have is the present. So I'm going to work hard to make it right with that person that I love. Our life is short. Don't let another day go by without making those kinds of things right. James says, we don't know what tomorrow will bring. Our life is like a mist. It appears for a little time and then it vanishes. What James is really getting at in this passage is that we so often open our Bibles and we learn who God is, but then we open our calendar and we forget all about him. We think we have all kinds of time. We think we have all kinds of worries and problems that the God who knows the future can actually help us with. All right, kids, I got one, I got two, here comes number three. That means there's one more song and we're almost done here. Here's the third thing we need to think about if we're going to make a good plan the sovereignty of God. The sovereignty of God. So we're talking about the uncertainty of the future, the brevity of life, and then thirdly, the sovereignty of God. It's the sovereignty of God that has allowed us to gather here as part of His will, part of His plan. for us to be gathering in this way. He says in verse 15, Instead, you ought to say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. Notice he doesn't take life for granted. He doesn't say, if the Lord wills, we'll do this or that. He says, no, if the Lord wills, we'll live. So if, if God chooses that I wake up tomorrow, hallelujah, I got a little more mist to work with. But then he says, then we'll do this or that. All if the Lord wills. Remember what we're supposed to pray in Matthew 6 verse 10. Your kingdom come, your will be done. I don't have time to read these, but Proverbs chapter 16, 9, Proverbs chapter 19, 21, both share that we make plans, but God's plan overrules all. We will live. That's how we ought to plan in light of the sovereignty of God. If the Lord wills. We, we can make plans. I mean, an event like this doesn't happen without planning, okay? Thank God for the people that planned out where to put the X's and how to build this stage and how to make it so the people can be seen and heard. Planning is good. Don't, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that there's something wrong with planning, but when our plans involve panicking presumption, or procrastination. That's the problem. When we plan like there is no God, when we plan like we are somehow the ones who are in control, that's the issue. We need to plan and pencil and bring our plans before the Lord. But then James, he ramps up the intensity here and it kind of catches you off guard. Look at verse 16. He says, as it is, you boast in your arrogance and all such boasting is evil. And then he says, so whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. It's evil. It's sin. Really? Our cal- we can sin with our calendars? It's, it's, our plans can be Evil? I mean, how does that make any sense? Is, is James being legalistic here? What is he getting at? How could he possibly say that what I write down on the calendar or what I plan for my business or my family could be called evil and sin? Well, when we, when we fail to recognize the sovereignty of God and the meaning of our lives, that's a very serious thing. Think back to the original sin, the first sin in the Garden of Eden. What pushed Adam and Eve over the edge? It was when the serpent said something. Because it wasn't that the the fruit was attractive or good for food. All the other fruit in the garden was, was equally attractive and equally good for food. What pushed Adam and Eve over the edge was when he said, if you eat it, you will be like God. Here's the thing, when we get our planning wrong, when we think about the future in a worldly way and not in a way that leans on the wisdom from above, it is evil because we start acting like we're God. Look at this passage. They had a plan like they knew the future, today or tomorrow, a year from now, right? Only God knows the future. When we act like we know the future, we're acting like we're God. See what I'm saying? Look at, look at the rest of this, this passage. They, they act like they're going to live forever. They act like they're the ones who are going to choose if they're alive tomorrow or alive a year from now. And they, they don't realize that their life is a mist. We live like we're going to live forever. And only God is eternal. Only God is omniscient. Only God knows the future. Only God is eternal. And then lastly, we act like we're the ones who are in control. We act, like, go back to what they say in verse 13. They says today or tomorrow, we will. Not what God wills. We will. We're the ones in control, in charge. We're the ones in control. Loved ones, only God knows the future. Only God is eternal. And only God is sovereign. And any sin, if you boil down any sin at its very core, it's us trying to act like we're God. Like we make the rules, like we're the ones who's in charge, that we're going to go on living forever. So loved ones, this is how we should think about tomorrow. And loved ones, we have an incredible example about how we ought to think about tomorrow. There was a man, I just just brought you from the Garden of Eden, I want to take you to another garden. There was a man who was very worried about what was going to happen tomorrow. And unlike us, he was omniscient. He knew what was going to take place. He knew what tomorrow was going to bring. He knew that tomorrow was going to bring the cross. And he prayed in that day. Knowing what the plan was, he prayed. What did he pray? Not my will, but yours be done. And because Jesus had that right view about tomorrow, because Jesus said, not my will, but yours be done, All of our sin, all of our evil, whether it's related to our calendar or whatever it may be. Things that we say, things that we do, things that we think. Because of that, loved ones, we can be forgiven. And loved ones, we can know that no matter what tomorrow brings, we have an eternity of tomorrows in the presence of God, in the new heavens, in the new earth. All because our Savior had a right view of planning the future and tomorrow. So I want to invite the worship team to come uh, up again. I'm just going to close uh, our time now in prayer. We're going to sing a one more song, and this song has a line in it. This song is called In Christ Alone, and this is what brings us together today. It's our love for Christ, our commitment to him. But the song says, no guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry, To final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. Tomorrow is is God's jurisdiction. We trust him with tomorrow, today, and every day. Let's bow our heads and pray. Dear God, I thank you for this day. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for sending us your son, Jesus Christ. I thank you that on that Thursday night before Good Friday, As he thought about tomorrow, I thank you that he said, not my will, but yours be done. God, help us in our planning. Help us in our thinking. Help us in our speaking and our thinking, Lord, and our actions, God, to honor you. And when we think about the times where we have failed yesterday and even failed today, Lord, God, help us to keep our eyes on tomorrow. Help us to keep our eyes on the fact that because of what Christ did 2,000 years ago, our future is secure for those who have placed their faith in Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you and thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.